May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Brandon Fleischer is a young man, um, a teenager, who lives in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And he's 17 years old and a stockbroker. His main clients right now are his mom and his dad, his mother a dentist, his father a small business owner. But it sort of began like this. Um, when Brandon was in the eighth grade, just a few years ago, his teacher gave his class an assignment, pick a stock and watch it and, you know, see how your stock does. If you had invested in that stock, what would it be like, you know, and, you know in a six-month stand or something like that? And so most of the kids in his class picked stocks that most kids would probably pick, Starbucks and General Electric, General Motors, Apple, of course. Um, but Brandon didn't. He picked a, a small Canadian rare metals company called uh, Avalon Rare Metals. And in six months, his stock was through the roof. It, that Avalon had had the best year they'd ever had. And, and on paper, Brandon would have made a lot of money. And that was it. He had this bug for, for investing. And so there's a, a, um, a website called Market Watch, and he got on this, and this is a, a place where you can go and you can, you can do sort of the same thing. You can, um, you know, buy real stocks with play money and just kind of watch and see what would happen and, and play games with that. And, and he kept picking the right stocks. His parents watched him and realized that he wasn't just getting lucky, but he had a real penchant for this. And so they took $48,000 out of their, their retirement um, fund and gave it to their 17-year-old son to invest. Well, in fact, when they gave it to him, he was only 15 years old. By the time he was 17, he had turned their $48,000 into $147,000. He tripled their money in 24 months. They're really happy. I mean, that's better than having a, a, a you know a professional athlete. You know, this kid could do this for you know decades into the future, right? And so, yeah, I'm sure they're really thrilled. And Brandon says that the trick was to pick small companies, that he decided that it was picking small companies because a lot of things could work right. That small companies were looking for investors, would let you speak to the CEO. They'll let you talk to the people who are in charge. And, and you can actually see whether or not the man or the woman is um, you know, a bright person, whether they have a good business acumen and that sort of thing. And also that if they're small, they've got room to grow. Anything that happens in their company or their industry is likely to move the stock. And so this is what you go for. And, um, and so he starts doing this and he's, he's inve- you know, uh, investigating companies and picking stocks. And he's now writing for a blog called Financial Bulls. So this kid's 17 years old. He has, he has a Fortune 500 companies calling him, you know. Can you imagine the, the phone's ringing at the house? You know, Brandon, answer the phone, you know, it's somebody else they want to know. Um, the thing, though, is that the kid's not lucky. He's good. He's figured it out. He has a, a, a real talent for investigating and, and picking the right stocks. Another name that you probably are more familiar with is the name Ted Turner. You remember this guy? Um, he's the one who started CNN and Headline News, um, TNT, TBS, all these, uh, these uh, stations on cable. Um, Became uh, famous for being Mr. Jane Fonda for a while, I think. Uh, lots of lots of things that put Ted Turner in the news. I thought that was funny. Um, anyway, so uh, it, Ted Turner becomes, you know, the very wealthy man, a billionaire, in fact, um, a billion with a B air. And and at the peak of his earnings in like the uh, the early nineties, he um, he decides to uh, to work out this thing with um, AOL, then the biggest you know internet kind of company. And merged two companies, AOL and Time Warner. 
um, when they made this merger, the company was immediately valued at $350 billion. Billion, the B, $350 billion. This is in 1993. And almost as soon as they merged, the stock began to hemorrhage. And they lost $99 billion in wealth almost immediately, and Ted Turner was fired. And he himself, having so heavily invested in this merger, lost of his own personal wealth $7 billion. He had $2 billion to fall back on, so I think he's doing okay. Um, but, yeah, that's a lot of money. This, I, I was reading about this in this one uh, investment um, magazine, ranked it as the worst investment of all time. I mean, it's good to be number one on a lot of lists. This is not the list you want to be number one on. The worst all-time investment. And I looked at some of the others, you know, some other epic fails. Um, Warren Buffett, a billion dollars he invested in ConocoPhillips, and he lost his shirt in that one. Uh, apparently he's still doing okay as well. Amazon lost $70 million when they bought Pets.com. And, um, and probably even most notable when the New York Times uh, bought the Boston Globe in 1993 for $1.1 billion. And today it's all the way down to $150 million in worth. So they're eventually going to sell it and lose almost all the money. There are a history of bad investments, and everybody's made them whether they're in terms of financial investments or just making a bad choice. And, and while sometimes we get lucky, luck should never be part of your, um, your investment strategy. It should never be that I'm going to get lucky and that's going to be, you know, it's like, um, it's like playing the lottery as a means of a, of a retirement program. It's not a good idea. That's not the right investment scheme. In the gospel lesson today, Jesus is talking a lot about investing. But it comes in a way um, of defending his actions. First of all, you remember uh, Jesus has been gathered some his disciples together and he's teaching. And, um, and some people come along who are, um, who are not of the um, respectable sort. There are, um, there are prostitutes and tax gatherers. There are thieves and political dissidents. <laughs> there are, you know, your, your common variety um, uh, alcoholics probably. All these sorts of people who come along and... And there are some really strictly religious people there, too, who see this, you know, kind of ragtag band gathering around, and they get kind of disgusted with Jesus. Why are you letting these people hang around? And you remember that he has to interrupt what he was doing, and he tells these stories, these three stories that Luke preserves for us in the story of the the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son. Luke chapter 15 is is a response to that question. Why do you hang out? With, um, with undesirables. Why do you hang out with sinners? And Jesus answers that question. And now he sort of turns the tables. This is the same ongoing sort of conversation. He, he begins to look at these fellows. They're called Pharisees. You remember these Pharisees are um, they're, they're of the, the, the really good religious type. I mean, they get a bad, they get a bad rap in, in uh, the Gospels because they're always adversarial towards Jesus. But they're the, I mean, they're the strict religious people. They go to synagogue religiously, you know. They um, they 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 give of their money. They they give of their they they are involved in it. They they're very careful about keeping a kosher table. They they're very sincere religious people. They they keep no um, company with, with with sinners. They don't want to be contaminated by by uh, you know affiliation with with. Uh, other types of, you know, sinful people. They are uber-religious. 
And Jesus says to these people, you're living like fools. And that seems like the most, like the strangest thing to say. Why would he say it to people who are, who are very religious people? He's saying that you're making bad investments. And they must be shocked by this. We're doing the right stuff. Aren't we doing the right stuff? And here's how the story begins. There was a rich man who had a manager and, cha- and, and charges were brought to him saying that this man was squandering as well. There's a rich fellow, Jesus says, he tells a story. There's this rich fellow who, who has a bunch of property and stuff, and he has a butler. He has a butler who works for him. The butler is sort of in charge of everything. And he starts to realize that this butler is not doing a very good job. He, in fact, he's, he's, kind of, um, he's kind of lazy. He's not, he's not, you know, bringing in the receipts. He's not watching out for my wealth. It's like, um, if you've ever seen The Office, Michael Scott is in charge, okay? This is not, this is not a good thing. And, and, he, and he realizes it, and he says, um, you know what? You're fired. Go get the accounting books, bring them down. I'm going to sort this stuff out, and then you're, end of the day, you're out of here. And, uh, and this, uh, this butler realizes that things are going to get tough. He, he thinks to himself, did you hear it? What will I do? Now that my master's taken my position away, what will I do? I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm too proud to beg. <laughs> I'm not strong enough. Of course you're not strong enough. You've been sitting around with your feet up on a desk reading magazines while everybody's out working. No, you're not strong enough to dig. And, and I'm, not, I'm too proud to beg, of course. He realizes he is about to go from the top rung of the, the working world social ladder to the very bottom. And he's got to act quick. He's got one chance. And so here's my, what I think happens. I think on the way from the, the owner's office to his office, he thinks to himself, I've got an hour. You know, I, I've got an hour to do something. And so he calls one of the servants and he's, you know, he makes a distraction. You know, I don't know, go spill something in, in the owner's office and we'll get him, dis- you know, get him distracted for a minute. And, and then he calls in the creditors. How much do you owe? I owe you I owe you a hundred barrels of oil. All right, make it fifty. I'll give you a fifty percent discount. And imagine the oil, uh, you know, broker who who just got a fifty percent discount. I mean, he's got to love this guy, right? And then he calls in the guy who another one. What do you owe? I owe a hundred uh, uh, whatever bags of wheat. Make it eighty. Another friend. My goodness, this guy's making friends fast and right, right? And, and so here it has. And then. The manager calls in. The hour's up. He goes in, pulls out the books, looks down, and begins to smile. This butler of his is lazy. Um, he, he's no good for anything, um, but he's not stupid. He's clever. And Jesus says that the owner praised him. That's pretty smart. It was pretty clever. It's important to invest in your own future. And Jesus says this, Listen, I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth, so that when it's gone, they may welcome you into eternal homes. Listen, the, the connection is, dishonest is a, diffi- this is a difficult word to translate, because what it really is is unrighteous, um, unrighteous wealth. But the, 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 um, the contrast is between uh, wealth that is temporal and that which is eternal. So th- the better way to think of this, make friends for yourself with temporal means so that you will have eternal ones. Temporal stuff, the stuff that we kind of get hung up on. 
He's talking about sort of commodities. The stuff of life. The things that we kind of get consumed with purchasing. Consumed with consuming. You know, why don't you take those things and use them to make friends? Be smart. Be streetwise. Do you really think that God is just concerned with us coming to church and staying away from bad people? Because that's not it. We should, you know, it's not just about avoiding a few whatever sins. and It's not about that. It's about engaging in the lives of people. That The point is this, that we own nothing. This is the reality. Jesus is saying, humans, you own nothing. Everything you have belongs to God. You are stewards over his wealth. We get to play with God's money, his stuff. How are we using it? You know, your clever wits. You didn't make those up yourself. (laughs) If you have clever wits, maybe you're like, I don't have such clever wits. Okay, that's fine. You have something else. But if you have those, it didn't come about because you kind of orchestrated that in your head or an attractive personality or even a great physical ability or financial gain. Whatever it is, we we can strengthen what we've been given but we can't decide. We, we've been given something. The question is, how will we use what we have? There's no such thing as self-made people. Heart of the matter. What's this all about? The issue is this. Are we using what we've been given to bring people into the kingdom? That's what this is about. Are we using what we have to make friends to introduce them to Jesus? That this is about making friends and inviting them into the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter where they come from or what kind of background they have. That that making friends to bring them to Christ is what we're we're called to do. This is what to to use every opportunity, every, every resource and asset, our time, our treasures our talents, that we would use all of these to, to make friends so that people will get to know Christ and come to know Him. Does it mean that you can, you're never allowed to have stuff? No, it doesn't mean that. Don't please ever think that. You need a new, so, new sofa? Go get a new sofa, right? Your car gets worn out and you need to replace it? Go get one. I'm not talking about that. But I'm saying don't be consumed with the, acclima- you know, the, the acquisition of stuff. Rather, invest in the lives of people. Be very practical about this. Use your house to make friends. (laughs) Make a meal and invite somebody over and make friends with them. Especially if you know that they don't know Christ. Oh, but you know, this guy, he has a language on him. It's good. Invite him over and watch your other friends who are Christians turn to, you know, shades of red. It would be wonderful, wouldn't it? Um, Invite them over. Use your money. You know what kid who's going in to be mission work? Man, she or he's going to have to struggle. Give them money. Help them out. The work of the church. To give to the work of the church. This work right here. This changes the world. Use your kindness. Use your time. Use our everything that we have. 
See, this Toronto kid, Brandon uh, Fleischer, 17 years old, he figured out that if you just invest in a small company that has good leadership and room to grow, when the circumstances come around that, that make it happen, it will grow. He figured that out in the eighth grade. When will we figure out this? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.